Awesome, man. It's so good to see you guys. You guys look great. Uh, how many of you guys excited for 60-degree weather today? Yeah, yeah. How many, man, I'm excited because the kids are in here with us today. I love Family Sundays. I look forward to these Sundays because, man, they get to have fun. And we're going to have some fun today, kids, all right? And we're going to learn something, and uh, it's going to be a good time. And so we are continuing our sermon series that we started back the 1st of January. And that sermon series is titled, Every Story Whispers His Name. And basically, the, the point of this sermon series is to show us that everything in the Bible, man, every story in the Bible from Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, to the very last book of the Bible, which is Revelation, everything in the middle, everything in between, every story whispers Jesus' name. Everything points to Jesus. Jesus is the center. All right? And, and that's, that's the point of this sermon series is to show us that, you know, that the main character of the story is not me, it's not you, but it's Jesus. And there is one central theme in God's book, in the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation. The one central theme is the theme of God rescuing mankind from our sins. And we're going to talk more about that here in just a few minutes. And, and the great thing about the Bible is this. There are a lot of great stories in the Bible, man, are pointing to one big story. And again, that's the story of how God loves us and how he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for us. And man, that's good news. That's, that's the gospel good news. Gospel just simply means good news, and that gospel is, is good news, and that gospel, uh, man, when it, when it comes into your heart and it penetrates your heart, as Jordan said earlier, man, it's what, it's what changes us, man. It changes us from the inside out uh, to live for Jesus, and that, that's a beautiful thing. And so that's our prayer uh, for you guys this morning. That's our prayer uh, all the time. But what I want to do is today we're going we're gonna to talk about the story of Passover. How many of you guys are familiar with Passover in the Old Testament? Raise your hand. All right, uh, most of you. Very good, very good. Uh, so we're going to talk about Passover, but before we get to the actual story, it's in Exodus chapter 12, 11 and 12. Uh, before we get to that, though, I want to, to kind of do some, some backtracking with you, and, because I want us to, to connect the dots a little bit. I want us to connect the dots about what's going on in this story, uh, and there's a couple of questions that I want to answer for you before we get to uh, the Passover story. Uh, now, now, Passover is found in the book of Exodus. Exodus, for you guys that don't know, is the second book of the Bible. And Exodus literally means, anybody want to take a guess what it, li- what it means? To leave. Is that what you said? Yeah, to exit, to leave, right? So, 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 so Exodus, the second book of the Bible, means to leave, to exit. And, and, and the reason why it's named that is because God is going to lead his special people. Right? God had a, in the Old Testament, he had a special people, and they were called the what? Jews. Jews, right. Israelites, Jews, whatever. Same thing, right? They were called the Israelites, God's special people, and God was going to lead them out of Egypt, right, to a land called Canaan. All right, but I want to I help connect the dots for you this morning, and, and a couple questions I want to answer before we get to Passover, and that is this. First of all, uh, why were the Israelites in Egypt to begin with, and why were they in slavery? All right, so I want to connect some dots with you, so I need four volunteers. Four volunteers, I need one adult, all right, so, what are you laughing at, Ron? You come on up here, man, come on up here. <laughs> come on up here, Ron. Now I need, I need three kids, three kids, come on, three kids. Anybody want to, come on, come on up here. What's your name? Mackenzie, come on, I like those boots, Mackenzie. I like that necklace, too, those two necklaces. All right, uh, I need two more kids. Tyler, 
Is that you, Tyler? Which one? Which one's Tyler? Tyler, come on up here, man. Are, are, there you go. Come on up here. Aaron Stanger? Where's he at? Is he hiding? <laughs> that would have been me growing up, for sure. Olivia, Olivia, come on up here. Olivia, I need to see you back there, Olivia. You doing all right, Olivia? You're looking good, Olivia. All right. All right, excellent, excellent. Now, now, so here, here's what I want to do, guys. I want to, uh, again, this is, for those of you guys that are like Bible scholars, this is going to seem so elementary to you, and that's fine. I don't care, <laughs> uh, because this is, this, is, this is mainly for the kids, and, uh, and hopefully you adults get something out of it too, okay? But so, so what I want to do is I want to connect the dots for us and, and say, hey, this is why the Israelites, God's special people, were in uh, Egypt, and this is why they were enslaved, why they were slaves in Egypt, okay? So the very first thing I want you to understand, I'm going to switch you guys places here, I'm going to put Ron first, okay, is way back in the very first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 12, God uh, introduces us to a character, his name is Abraham. How many of you guys have ever heard of Abraham before, All right? How many of you guys know the song, uh, Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons did father? Okay, okay, good. good. <laughs> you, guys, you guys know it. All right, excellent. Now, now, here's the thing about Abraham. Abraham was one old dude, man. Call me old again. You're down. So Abraham, Abraham was an old, old dude. Abraham and it had a wife named Sarah. But God came to Abraham and said, listen, man, I am going to make you into a great nation. A nation is just a lot of people, Right? A nation, uh, a lot of people. And so God says, I'm going to make you into a great nation. I'm going to bless you. And, and, and the earth will be blessed uh, through you. All right? Now, ultimately, that, that comes to fulfillment through Jesus in the New Testament. Right? So another connection to Jesus right there. Okay? But, but here's the thing what God tells Abraham. He says, listen, you are going to have your, 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 your people. You're going to be as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the beach. How many of you guys have ever looked up in the stars and tried to count the stars in the sky? Anybody here? You can't do it, right? It's too many. And God says, listen, your people, you're gonna have, it's going to be as many as the stars in the sky and the sand on the beach, right? That's a lot of people. The only problem was Abraham and his wife were old, and they didn't have any kids, right? And so, so, so it was kind of baffled him, right? Well, God, God, because God is faithful and because God keeps his promises, guys. That's what I want you to know, man. God is faithful. He keeps his promises. They had a son, and guess what his name was? Isaac. Right? Isaac uh, married Rebekah, and they had a son, and the, his name was, anybody know? Jacob. Jacob. Now, Jacob is an interesting character, and Jacob, Jacob is known for, for a couple of things in the Bible and listen, parents, if you don't know a lot of these stories, I would encourage you, man, get the version Bible app for kids on your phone. A lot of these stories are in there. Uh, I heard Jude uh, on the phone listening to a couple of them yesterday, uh, just sitting in the living room. And so they're, they're a lot of fun. You can walk through these stories with your kids. But Jacob is known for two, two things in the Bible. How many of you guys know about uh, Jacob's Ladder? Right? That's a song, too. I don't know that song. Anybody know that song? Chris, you know that song? I don't know it either. 
But there's a song, trust me, they wrote a song about Jacob's ladder, okay? And it, basically, Jacob has this dream, and he sees this ladder going up to heaven. And anyway, so Jacob uh, has this dream, but Jacob is also known for something else. And if you watch the home church video, how many of you guys watched that video last week, the home church that we put out? All right, what was the other thing? If you don't, if you don't know, if you haven't seen it, go to our Facebook page and watch it. Uh, hopefully enjoy it. But what was the other thing that Jacob was known for, Ron? Wrestling. That's the wrestling move, right? I won't show you guys the wrestling move that I put on my kids last week. But, but Jacob was known uh, for wrestling with God, okay? And it was during that time, after that, 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 that wrestle match with God, that God actually changes his name to what? We'll have you hold that there, too. So Jacob now becomes Israel, all right? Israel is going to eventually become this great nation that is still present-day Israel over in the Middle East, right? So Israel has, now check this out. This is where it gets good. Israel has 12 sons, 12 sons. I need 12 people in the audience to stand up right now. Any 12, just stand up. Come on, come on. If you're a kid, stand up on the seat. That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and three more. Ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. All right, one, one of you. There, okay, there you go. All right. Now, now, stay standing, stay standing, stay standing, okay? Now, here's what you need to understand, okay? Israel had twelve sons, all right? And from those twelve sons, uh, they, they, they became twelve groups of people, also known in the Old Testament as the twelve tribes of Israel. Right? And so you can imagine all these 12 sons, they get married, they have kids, and those kids have kids, and those kids have kids, right? And, and, and eventually they become a nation fulfilling the promise that God made to Abraham that what? I'm going to bless you and make you into a what? A great nation, right? So, so one of Jacob, now Israel's sons, is also named Joseph. Olivia, you're going to be Joseph today, all right? Now, the thing about Joseph is this, man. Uh, Israel, Jacob, you guys can sit down. Thank you. This is going to be a little big on you, but that's all right. All right? Jordan, I'm moving some of your stuff around. All right, so, 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 so Jacob, Jacob, also known as Israel, had a favorite son uh, that was given to him by his favorite wife, and his name was Joseph. And how many of you guys know about Joseph and the coat of many colors, Right? We'll just kind of slide it over here. You guys see that? Okay. Uh, so, so Joseph was, uh, was known as the, the, the coat of many colors, guys. Joseph was also a dreamer. Joseph had these dreams, and uh, Joseph, uh, sometimes these dreams were, were dreams that his brothers didn't really like a lot. As a matter of fact, his brothers got jealous of Joseph because his father, uh, he was his favorite. He got the coat of many colors. And, and so his brothers get, made this plot one day that they were going to get rid of Joseph. And so what they decided to do was they were originally going to get rid of him, like kill him, all right? But they decided not to kill him. Instead, they sold him to a group of people called the Midianites. You can read all this in Genesis 40-something, all right? And so they, they sell But then the Midianites end up selling Joseph to a guy named Potiphar who was in Egypt, Okay? Now, in Genesis chapters 41, 42, 43, you'll see uh, that there's this massive famine that comes onto the land. And, and, and listen, Joseph, God was with Joseph. God blessed Joseph even when he was in Egypt. 
and, and, got, and Joseph rose to, to prominent power, and he became second in command to the king who was Pharaoh. That was, that was that they named the king Pharaoh. And so he was second in command. And so God blessed him, and he was all this and that. And so because of this great famine, because of Joseph's wisdom, and because God was with him, uh, Joseph had prepared for the famine, and he had stored up all this food in Egypt. So everybody in the land experienced this famine. You guys know what a famine is? A famine is, man, where it's just a, there's no food, and, and people are going hungry, and they need food, and, and this and that. So for seven years, this famine happened, and for seven years, everybody eventually came to Egypt to get food. Well, guess who else came to Egypt? That's upside down. Can you guys read it? <laughs> that's all right. That's all right. You're doing great, Mackenzie. You're looking good. So, so Israel, so Jacob and all his sons and all his family ended up having to go to Egypt to purchase food from Joseph, and that's how they reunited, and they reunited, and it feels so good, right? And um, they had this, this big family reunion, right? And, and that's how they end up in Egypt, right? Does that make sense? You guys see that? You see the connection there? All right, all the way from Abraham down to Joseph, right? You see that? Give these guys a hand. You guys can put your papers down. You can take your coat off unless you just want to wear it. You can wear it the rest of the service if you want. Okay, thank you. Now, Gary, I think, uh, I, think I have some slides here. Uh, now, now, so, so that, that's there. Everybody's in Egypt, okay? Everything's going well. Genesis ends, and now we get to the book of Exodus, okay? And the opening verses in Exodus are very important to our story because this is what it says. It says, but the people of Israel were fruitful, which means they had a lot of kids, right? And they increased greatly. They multiplied, and they grew exceedingly strong so that the land was filled with all these people. All right, remember, remember the promise to Abraham, right? As, as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the beach, right? Then verse 8, this is what it says. Now, there arose a new king over Egypt, all right? A new Pharaoh who did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, Behold, the people of Israel are too many and too mighty for us. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them. In other words, they're going to be mean to them. Unless they multiply, and if war breaks out, man, they could just they could become our enemies and fight against us and overtake us, right? And so, so this Pharaoh decides, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna we're gonna make these guys slaves. Go to verse twelve. Verse twelve it says, but the more they were oppressed, which means the more that they they put their their finger down on uh, the people of Israel, uh, the more they multiplied, the more they grew, and the Egyptians were in dread of the people of Israel. So they ruthlessly made the people of Israel work as slaves. Now, kids, you've got to imagine this for a second, okay? I know it's hard for us to wrap our brains around this, but I want you to imagine that you are moved from your house, and you have to go to somebody else's house that you don't know, and you have to work for them like chores. How many of you guys do chores at home? Raise your hand if you're, if you're a kid and you do chores at home, right? Most, most of the kids here, right? Those of you that are paying attention, all right? So, so, so imagine having to do those same chores at somebody else's house that you have no idea for and you don't get paid for it, right? 
Can you imagine? Like, like, like when you guys have freedoms now, you guys have luxury of, of going home and playing Xbox and playing PlayStation and playing video games and just going outside and having fun. But can you imagine having to be confined to a house and just like vacuum and dust and take out trash and do dishes and unload the dishes? All these different things for somebody else that's not even your own parents. Right? This is what the Israelites experienced. This is what they experienced. And listen, the time frame here. It is not just a couple of weeks, it's not just a couple of days, but listen, man, they were in slavery for 400 years. That's how much time passes between all this, all right? And we know it's 400 years because if you go back to Genesis 15, God tells Abraham, your people are going to be uh, sojourners in a land not their own for 400 years. 400 years, the Israelites, God's special people, were in, were in slavery in Egypt. Now, Exodus chapter 2, verses 23 to 25 says this. Go ahead, Gary, pull that up there. During those many days, the king of Egypt died, and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery, and they cried out for help. And their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God. And God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God saw the people of Israel, and I love that last phrase there. It says, and God knew. Man, that's, that's just a beautiful phrase right there. You know what that means, man? It means it, this is so awesome and so comforting because, listen, man, our God is awesome. Our, our God who created everything around us, our God who created us, is concerned about us. He cares for us. He cares for his people. And he cares so much that he's moved to action right? That he does something about it. And I love that phrase, and God knew. And so what, is, what does God do? God raises up a guy by the name of Moses, right? Moses. And God tells Moses, he says, listen, you're going to be the one. You're going to go into to Egypt, and you're going to deliver uh, my people from the hand of Pharaoh. Listen, Pharaoh was one bad mamma jamma, right? He was a bad dude. And uh, and so Moses, with the help of God, was going to lead this mass exodus from Egypt, right? And God was going to do this through the ten plagues. Who here can name all ten plagues? Anybody? Any kids here? Stand up. You got it. I see you doing it in your head. Huh? You're scratching that? <laughs> I saw you. I saw you thinking, too, because you went, and then when I called on you, you said, oh, I'm scratching, I'm scratching. <laughs> Anybody got the ten plagues? If you have your Bibles open to Exodus, you can look at them. You got to shout them out. I can't hear them. Blood was the first one. Blood of what? The blood in the what river? Nile River. Okay, the second one was frogs. Frogs, right? You know what's amazing? If you go back and you read that story, this has always blown my mind. Matter of fact, in my Bible reading, I was reading this just yesterday. And it's funny because it says that as God was doing these things, then Pharaoh's, like, magicians and all his, like, magic people uh, were trying to, to kind of replicate the same miracle. And so it says that whenever God sent all these frogs, like, it tells it's like the frogs were not just, I mean, it wasn't like just a couple of frogs, ribbit, ribbit, ribbit. It was like frogs in your bed, frogs in your oven, frogs in your fridge, frogs in your, everywhere. All right? Like, you, you just, it was frogs in the shower everywhere. And it says that they, they, they replicated these things, and so more frogs. I'm like, you guys are not too bright. But anyways, the, the, the third one was gnats. 
Okay? You guys know those little pesky things that fly around, right? Gnats. And then the fourth one was flies. The fifth one was the livestock, right? And not just, just, just the Egyptian livestock, not, not the Israel livestock, but just the Egyptians' livestock was, was, was to, to, be, to be dead. Uh, the sixth was boils. Can you imagine how painful that was? Mm. The seventh one was hail, which ruined all of their, their crops, all those things. The eighth was, you said it earlier, locusts. And then the ninth one was darkness. And listen, the Bible says it was a darkness that you could feel. I don't know if you guys have ever been in a place where it was so dark where you could just feel the darkness. Uh, you get anybody here, adults, I know probably kids haven't experienced this. Anybody ever gone caving before? Have they ever had you guys turn your lights off? When, isn't it, like, you can feel the darkness, you know what I'm saying? Listen, if you want to experience it, let me tell you what you do. You just go into one of our bathrooms here at the church, turn off the lights, and you will experience, you will feel darkness, man. It is so dark in those bathrooms, you can't see your hand in front of your face. I'm not kidding. Uh, now, don't do it while somebody else is in there. Right? <laughs> that wouldn't be good. Right? But, but it was darkness. So listen, and, and listen, this is what's amazing about these, these, these plagues, right? It, it, these plagues, and, and, and God says it all throughout, man. He says, these plagues are going to reveal to Israel, to my special people, and to Egypt that God is God. That there is no one like our God. It's going to reveal, man, how powerful and awesome and mighty our God is. Listen, kids, I want you to hear this, man. We serve a powerful God. We serve a mighty God. We serve an awesome God. That's why we sing and worship to Him. That's why we come here, man, and we, we fellowship. And we, It's about Him, man. God is, God is awesome. He is mighty. He is powerful. He is worthy of our worship. Anybody got some examples of God's power today that you see just in everyday things? I, I, that's perfect, man. Last week, right, all that snow, and we saw almost like two, almost like about 15 inches of snow, right, that fell, man, and it, just, it, was, it, was, it was beautiful, man, but right, it was like, man, God is so powerful, right? How else do we see God's power working today? 60 degrees, man, right? Yeah, absolutely, you know? Yeah, I mean, we see the, the changing of the seasons, Right? I mean, we see the, 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 the power of God. We see it in a thunderstorm. You know, we see it. The, the, we go to the ocean, man, and see the waves. I remember the first time I went to the ocean, man, I was, I was a young kid. And I remember that we went with a family, and they said, listen, man, you'll go out there, and those waves will knock you down. And I thought, man, you're crazy. I'm, I, the way going to knock me down. Listen, I am a grown man, and they knock me down. You know what I'm saying? It, it, and so, so it's powerful, man. You see it. You see the power of God in creation. Right? And so all of these plagues, man, all these previous nine plagues were really just preparation for this last plague, the final one, the plague that, that, that was going to be the death of the firstborn in the land of Egypt. And that was the tenth plague. The final plague would be the one that would judge Egypt, and it would be the one that set God's special people free from slavery. So let's read it together, chapter 11, verse 4, uh, down through chapter 12. And uh, follow along with me on the screen or in your Bibles. It says, so Moses, uh, so Moses said, thus says the Lord, About midnight I will go out in the midst of Egypt, and every firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die. From the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on his throne, even to the firstborn of the slave girl who is behind the handmill, and all the firstborn of the cattle. 
There shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there was never been, nor ever will be again. Chapter 12, verse 3. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's house, a lamb for a household. All right, so, so I, brought, I brought my, I've used him before, all right? I brought Lammy. Uh, my kids love Lammy, right? And as you can tell, he's been used a little bit. All right, so, so the Israelites were to take a lamb, a lamb. It says, take a lamb. Uh, if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons, according to what each can eat, and you shall make your count for a, the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish. That's a key word right there, without blemish. What does that mean, without blemish? Cole, what does that mean? Huh? Pain? Perfect. Perfect. Prize show, absolutely. The lamb was, so what that means is that the lamb can't, you can't bring a lamb with two different color eyes to it. You know what I'm saying? You can't bring a lamb that's got like two, two legs or longer than the other two. Right? You can't bring a lamb that looks weak and sickly, right? It had to be a one-year-old male lamb uh, that was solid, man, that, that was perfect, that was without blemish, right? It says, you may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of this month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Now, that sounds kind of harsh, right? Are you going to kill lamby? No, lamby. No. Right? But, but that, that, then you'll see why, right? Then they shall take some of the blood and do what with it? Put it on the doorposts and frames of the houses in which they eat, right? So, so imagine your house, right? And you take this lamb and you sacrifice it, you kill it, and you take... I know this is a little gruesome for you guys, right? I'm sorry. Right? But, but it's in the Bible, okay? And so you take the blood of the lamb, and they would take a hyssop branch, which is just like a bunch of weed stuff, and they would paint the door, the door frames, with the blood, right? And so that's what they did. And so it says, you just take some of the blood and put it on the doorpost. And then verse 12, it says, for I will pass through the land of Egypt. This is God saying this. That night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and in all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will do what? Pass over. I will pass over. I will pass over. And no plague will befall you and destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Go to the next slide, Gary. So this is what I want you to see. Very first thing is a lamb, okay? A lamb. The lamb was a substitute sacrifice. How many of you guys are in school? All right, you guys know what a substitute is? Right? What happens when your teacher misses school? You have a what? Substitute, right? A substitute, somebody who takes their place, right? Somebody who fills in for the teacher, right? And so, 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 so the lamb was a substitute sacrifice. Who, who, did the lamb, uh, well, who did the lamb step in for? The person, right, in that house. That's why they had to take the blood of the lamb and put it over the doorposts of their house. The lamb acted as a substitute sacrifice for the Israelites because the firstborn of all Egypt was going to die because they didn't have the blood, right? The second thing we see is it's got to be without blemish, right? It's got to be perfect. The third thing we see is it's a sacrifice in blood. It's got to be a blood sacrifice. 
has to be. Right? And then the final thing we see is the blood is put on the doorpost, and uh, that would save Israel from death. The Lord would pass over. And so what is Passover? Passover is a celebration of freedom from slavery. Right? Not, not only do we see God's power displayed, but we see God's love for his people. Because he tells them, take a lamb, a substitute sacrifice, and place the blood of this lamb over the doorpost, and I will pass over you. I will save you. I will rescue you from Egypt. See, through the sacrifice of the lamb and the blood on the doorpost, freedom was secured for God's special people. Right? That's Passover. And it says, and in verse 14, he says, This day shall be for you a memorial day. What's a memorial? What do we do with a memorial? We what? Remember, right? We remember, right? So God says, this is going to be a memorial day for you. You shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations as a statute forever, and you shall keep it as a feast. Now, now here, here's, here's the key, man, right? They kept this feast all throughout the Old Testament. And they continue to celebrate that Passover feast in the New Testament. As a matter of fact, right, as a matter of fact, the week that Jesus is crucified on the cross is known as what week? Passover week, right? Right? See, see, Jesus didn't come just haphazardly, right? Jesus came at a specific time in history for a specific purpose, and, and Jesus knew what that purpose was. And so Jesus is crucified during Passover week. Now, now you can read it in all four Gospels, man. Jesus is celebrating Passover with his 12 disciples the night before he goes to the cross. Now, why is that significant? Why is that significant? Because in John's Gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, chapter 1, verse 29, John the Baptist sees Jesus coming and John the Baptist says what? Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. See, Jesus dies at Passover, signifying that he is our Passover Lamb. Jesus is our Passover Lamb. He is our blood sacrifice. He is, Jesus is our sacrificial Lamb. And that is how Exodus 12 and the Passover ultimately points forward to Jesus. He is our sacrificial lamb. And see, just as Israel were slaves in Egypt, this is important, guys. Pay attention with me, okay? Just as they were slaves in Egypt, guess what? We are slaves today. Now, we're not slaves like they were in Egypt. But we're slaves to something else. Anybody want to know what it is? Sin. Sin. We're slaves to sin. And if you don't know what sin is, man, sin is just, it's wrongdoing. Anybody, we do this all the time. Anybody here ever lied before? Right? We all lied, right? But listen, it's not just, it's not just the act that we do that's sinful, right? But it's the, it's the intentions of the heart. And that's what I want to stress to you guys every time, man. It's not just about the physical act of sinning. It's not just about telling a lie. But it's about the intentions of the heart. Like, we're sinful down to the core. And you need to teach your kids this. Right? Listen, I see it all the time with my five-year-old Jude, man. We tell him to do something, right? And if he listens and obeys, that's great. But sometimes, even when he listens and obeys, he sins. You know why? You know why? We say, Jude, you need to go and clean your room, buddy. 
Okay. You guys ever experienced that at home? Uh, yeah, right, right, right. Even though he obeyed, right, he still sinned because of his heart, right? His heart's not right. He's like, he's doing it begrudgingly. He's, he's doing it with an attitude, right? And so that's what I want you to see, man, is that we are, we are sinful, right? We are sinful. And so let me have a couple of kids up on stage here. Two kids. Come on. Cole, come on up here. Who's your, who's your friend, Cole? Come on up here. All right, all right. So, uh, here, here's the thing. You guys, uh, let me. So, so here, here's the deal, man. God is holy, and he is perfect, and he cannot live with sin, Okay? Everybody know that? All right? And so, so here's the thing, man. In the beginning, when God created us, you're going to play the role of God, and you're going to play the role of us, the rest of humanity. Okay? You're going to be everybody. When, when God created us, man, we had this relationship with God, man. It was, it was awesome. It was sweet. It was, it was great. It was perfect. And, and, and God, uh, man, he created us. He knows what's best for us. But while we were in the garden, man, men, us, created the rest of his creation, decided that, that we didn't want to follow God anymore. And so what we did is we sinned, right? We, we disobeyed God, okay? And what that did for us is it separated us from God. And that's, that's huge. That's huge, okay? Our, our sin separated us from God. And, and, and what it did is, it, is it, it made us become slaves, become slaves to sin, right? And so what it does is, uh, and you may not realize this, but really it stole our identity. Sin stole our identity. You know how it st- stole our identity? Because what happens is, is because of sin, we begin to find our self-worth and our self-value in our work, in our performance, in, in the things that we wear, in status. I mean, you, you name it. We find our identity in everything other than what it's supposed to be in, right? And so, so being a slave to sin creates an identity crisis in us. It also uh, brings about fear. Fear. Uh, we're a slave to sin, and it makes us fear, right? And you guys are thinking, fear? Fear about what? Well, fear because, listen, we want to be in control. We're people who like to be in control, right? And, and when we're not in control, we are afraid, Right? We, we also fear, man. We also fear other people. We fear what other people will think of us. How many of you guys, man, don't tell or don't talk to people or don't say things you should say to people because you're afraid of what they might think of you, right? And so we live in constant fear, don't we, right? It also brought, man, when we sin, we, we, we have, and I know you kids, you may not know what guilt and, and shame is, but listen, those are feelings that you experience and they're not, they're not fun feelings, are they? Ask, your, ask the adults here. They're not fun, right? And so, and so uh, being a slave to sin, man, this is all the things that, uh, that it, makes us, it makes us feel, it makes us do. And, and see, and the thing, man, God hates sin. God hates it because of he knows what it does to us. He knows that it makes us a slave. It hinders us. And God loves us so much. He created us. He knows what's best for us. And because God is holy and perfect, listen, God's got to do something about sin. 
Because God is holy and perfect, and because he is without sin, he's got to do something about sin. The only problem is, man, we're sinners. We're sinners. Do you see the problem here? So how is God going to deal with sin and yet still love the sinner? The answer is Jesus, right? The answer is Jesus. You see, on the cross, Jesus dealt with our sin. Jesus dealt with our sin. On the cross, Jesus took On the cross, man, there's nothing to fear, right? We don't have to worry about what other people think of us, right? Because we know what God thinks of us. He loves us because of Jesus Christ. We don't have to live in fear. We don't have to be in control anymore. We don't have to worry about those things because we know that God, who is all-powerful and all-knowing, is in control because, man, on the cross, Jesus lost control for us. Man, we don't have to be in fear. Listen, and he brought our identity back. He restored our identity, right? We no longer have to worry about, uh, man, what other people think. We no longer have to worry about uh, this or that. Uh, we don't have, our self-worth and our self-value comes from Jesus Christ and what he did. And so that's how God deals with it. See, God's anger, and, and God's anger, all of his anger towards sin was directed at Jesus on the cross. At the same time, he was loving us. How awesome is that? Isn't that a powerful, awesome God? And listen, man, that, that is the good news of the gospel, man. And when that takes root in your heart, when you understand the depth of God's love for you, when you see what Jesus went, for, went through for you on the cross, man, it changes you. Right? Our, our motivation for obedience no longer is about, is God going to love me or accept me? Our motivation is, man, God does love me. He already accepts me through Jesus Christ. I want to serve you. I want to live for you. And we sell ourselves out for the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why our mission here is make much of Jesus. And reach people and disciple people and equip people in the gospel because, man, we want to sell ourselves out. We want to, to, to reach people with the gospel. We want people to grow in their love and affection for Jesus in the gospel. Man, we want you guys to be equipped in the gospel so that when you walk out of this room, man, you can go into your neighborhoods and into your workplaces and you can share the gospel. It's good news. It's good news. You guys give these guys a hand. Thanks. Listen, uh, I'm going to go ahead and ask the band to come on up here. Man, you guys have been so patient. Thank you so much. Uh, what? Well, this is wrong. All right. Uh, so, so here's the thing, man. Uh, remember way back in Exodus 12, 14, God says, this is going to be a memorial for you, right? And so you're going to celebrate this, uh, you know, uh, every year. At this time, you're going to celebrate the Passover feast, right? Well, well when and, and Jesus was, he was up in the upper room celebrating that same Passover with his disciples. Jesus also instituted another meal, right? And this meal is what we do today called communion. And, and so Jesus took some bread here. Mariah, come on up here. I don't want to walk in front of the speaker. I learned my lesson. Take, take this for a second. Je Jesus took bread just like this. Come up here, I'm standing on stage. Jesus took bread just like this, 
And he took it, and I want you to break it. Break it in half. And he told his disciples, he said, listen, this is my, this is my body. It's going to be on the cross for you. I want you to take this, and I want you to eat it. And in the same way, he took a, a cup of juice, wine, and, and he said, this cup is my blood, the new covenant. This is the last sacrifice that's ever going to have to be made, the last blood sacrifice that's ever going to be made. Once and for all, Jesus took care of it. He says, drink it. He says, and remember me. And so as Christians, what we do every single week is we come around and we, we, we remember what Jesus has done for us on the cross. But see, it's not just a memorial. It's not just, because listen, Jesus rose from the dead, right? The gospel wouldn't be good news if Jesus was still in the grave, right? But Jesus rose from the dead. And so it's not just a memorial, man, but it's a celebration. It's not just a remembering of what Christ did for us, but it's a looking ahead that Christ is coming back for his church. Amen? Man. So what we're going to do, man, I encourage you as a family. Thank you, Mariah. You can just put it right there. Unless you want to take it and eat it with your family. Uh, so what I want you to do, guys, man, take, take the bread that they pass out. Take the juice. As a family, man, I want you to pray together. I want you to remember, man, think about what Christ did for you. and Celebrate, man, that he is coming back, which means he's coming back for, for the church, which means we got a lot of work to do because, listen, I've got neighbors that don't know Jesus. You've got neighbors that don't know Jesus. We've got people in this community that do not know Jesus, which means we've got a lot of work to do. And our motivation is what he did for us on the cross. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much. We thank you for your love for us, man. We thank you for your grace and mercy, God. I pray that this, this, this message today, God, has just been um, seeds have been planted, God. I pray, Father, that we have exalted your son, Jesus. I pray that, that people have, that see how beautiful Jesus is. God, how awesome and powerful you are. Father, I pray now as we take this time of communion with our families, that we would not only remember what you've done for us, but we would look ahead that you're coming back for us and what that means for us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.